1: This is a podcast from Minute Media. This week on Pod Like a Raven, a veteran returns for one last ride. Training camp is just around the corner, and J.K. Dobbins says, You stop it, media. I'm going to tell you when I'm playing week one. This week on Pod Like a Raven. And welcome. I'm Antonio Barbero. I'm under the weather. You may have already heard it. I may have sounded a little insane in that intro. Probably going to make some mistakes as we record. But I got to stay dedicated. I got that dog in me, as everyone's favorite expression is these days. So I got to come on here. Got to talk about the Ravens. Got to talk about the good news. And got to talk with my two guys. So let's bring him in here, starting on the East Coast.
2: Tim Horsey. Tim, how's it going? Oh my God! You with that dog? You just, we could end the episode there. That's perfect. I'm doing well, my friend. I'm doing very, very well. We're we're in the, the dregs of summer. Uh, you know, some American sports fans like to call it the this week uh, right here. The the slowest week of the year. Me in the soccer world, we're ramping up for probably the busiest season of all time. So I'm just mentally preparing myself for that. Um, I got so bored that I started Twitch streaming. So that's a thing. Uh, I've I've had a total of like three list uh, three people watch at one time. Me be bad at Fall Guys, so that's fun. That's that's where we're at right now in the middle of July. So I'm excited to to come on here and and, and talk with you guys as well.
1: I'm hip and cool, Tim. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. ask. Uh, Twitch streaming is people are watching you while you play video games. They see what you that see is, on the screen, or they see you that's, at the same time. Yeah. Uh,
2: so this is the thing. If you don't know, Antonio is actually the cool <laughs> one on this group. Jason and I are giant freaking nerds. Um, and and yeah, that's what it is. It's, it's, I'm playing Fall Guys, I'm being bad at Fall Guys, and they can see, really, what they do, there's a camera here, so they watch me react to being bad, but then they basically just pay attention to my dog, who sits on the couch behind me. Okay. Well,
1: that's good.
3: That's, that's, that sounds,
1: sounds like fun. Jace Evans on the West Coast, were you one of his three, uh, the, one of the three people watching?
3: Uh, no, I'll have to subscribe, though, I, uh, and follow, I am on Twitch, I have a Twitch account, <laughs> so I, I very much uh, know what Tim's talking about. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is this is the the deep heart of the offseason. You could argue some of the biggest uh, Ravens news lately has been Marlon Humphrey discovering that the team's name uh, was named after the Raven, the iconic Edgar Allan Poe poem. Somehow, despite being one of the longest-tenured members of the Ravens, Marlon did not know that. Uh, Lamar was been getting in beef with Bernard Pollard for hours the other night on Twitter. He also... ...caused a stir by changing his profile picture and Twitter banner, profile picture on Instagram, Twitter banner uh, on his Twitter account, to a photo featuring the, the phrase, I need money, which set off a whole news cycle in and of itself, which he has now subsequently changed all those photos... Should we just
2: name the episode "I Need Money"? By the way, I, I'm, this is a live production meeting as we go. I think I'm just going to name the episode "I Need Money." It applies to many things.
3: I need football, Tim. This stuff's driving me insane. I can't, I can't sit on Twitter and see this all day. I'm losing my mind. I, I need, I need real football things, and so I'm excited for the show uh, where we can talk about you know actual uh, football matters related to the Ravens and not just things, things their players tweet. <laughs>
1: The saddest part for me about Humphrey not knowing that the Ravens were named after the Edgar Allan Poe poem is that that means he doesn't listen to Pie Like a Raven because we've referenced Edgar Allan Poe so many times, and for that that harsh of a realization to kick in midsummer, it just uh, (laughs) it was a bummer. I get, you know, he has his own little show that he does uh, over uh, over at the castle with his own lounge or whatever it's called, getting real guests. But we'll get real guests uh, one day, one day. But for now, we're going to talk about some Raven news. And the biggest news of the last few weeks happened, I don't know, eight hours after we recorded uh, <laughs> last two weeks ago. But we're going to bring it to you now because we want to talk about it. And it's Justin Houston finally re-signing with the Ravens on a one-year deal. Uh, coming, This is coming from Brian McFarland at Ravens Salary Cap on Twitter. Justin Houston's one-year deal includes $3.5 million against the cap for 2022 – Base salary of $1.12 million, Signing bonus of $2 million. A lot of numbers. Seems like modest deal. Good opportunity for Houston. Good opportunity for the Ravens. Right player, right price. Bring the veteran back. We don't have anybody else at the moment who can really rush the passer with consistency. So uh, overall thoughts on uh, Justin Houston coming back. And uh, is this enough now for that position group um, heading into the season?
3: Uh, To answer that last question first, no, it is not enough. (laughs) Um, But uh, to kind of answer your first question, it was a necessary move, I think, because of that reason. Like, if they didn't sign Justin Houston, then they they really have a problem, I think, on their hands. So I think this made sense for a number uh, of ways. There's some some fancy advanced stats that suggest, uh, you know, his, his pressure rate was... You know, pretty solid for a guy uh, in his... No. I know. Uh, but yeah, the total sack number four and a half sacks. Um, would love that to be higher. I don't see that happening as he gets older. And especially what's, uh, you know, new, new, new defensive coordinator. Perhaps scheme change opens up more sacks. Who knows? It does seem like we haven't had... One of those chicken and egg things. It was like, is our scheme the reason no one gets sacks? Or do we just not have talented guys to get sacks uh so that'll be i I, maybe he can get more than four and a half but i'm not too optimistic about that it seems like the big reason they like him is he seems like a great you know he really took that mentorship role uh with the oa in particular and now with the jabbo on board if he could get them up to speed on what it's like to play in the nfl great and uh yeah if he can toss in five sacks even better
2: (laughs) i love how people trying to blame the scheme which I I don't think it's a bad criticism. It probably is, but when the scheme is send eight guys all the time and you still don't get sacks, it's just – maybe it still was the scheme, and it was just really, really telegraphed, and that's why it was easy enough to pick up, which is fine. But, yeah, I mean, it's expected. It's fine. I'm glad they did it. I I would be – I feel like I would be in a much worse position if they didn't have a veteran presence who they kind of knew what they have with him not there in Justin Houston. You know, Jace already mentioned the, the on-field leadership, but uh, talk about the injuries. Tyus Bowser, David Ajabo, and Dalen Hayes, three of the five guys who are going to rush the passer from that outside linebacker position, are guys that are coming off injuries and serious injuries as well. So for me, I you know, it was an expected move. I, I Optimistic is a funny way to put it. But yeah, I, he I, Justin Houston, as of right now, is a starter on this defense. And by the end of the year... God willing, he's a rotational piece because some of these guys come back, you know, healthier and stronger. And hopefully, and I'm not trying to be a slight to him, but hopefully are outperforming him at that position as well. Justin
1: Houston with four and a half sacks last season. Let's play a, a sad over-under. Does Justin Houston have more or less than four and a half sacks next
2: season for the Ravens? I'm going to go, I'll go quickly. I'm going to go over. But it's going to be like five (laughs) or or uh, tapping out at like six and a half. But I'm going over. That is exactly where my
3: mind went, Tim, as well. If it's over, it's five. I like I don't see 10 happen. Like we're not getting double digits on the board here. Certainly. Um, I want it to be over. It'll probably be under. Uh, You know, I want to be optimistic, but. I don't know. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not holding out too much hope that we get too much more than the four and a half uh, that the Ravens got last year. But, yeah, uh, we'll say cautiously optimistic, I guess, that he gets to five or six. That'd be great.
1: Now, for my co-hosts and all the listeners who think that I'm always just an optimist with everything, going under. I do not <laughs> see more than four and a half sacks from Justin Houston. Um, but, yeah, good mentor, fine price. Uh, Odafe Owe learns so many more moves and it's Owe who has like 12 sacks uh, and that uh, eats into Houston's numbers and he just has all the all that all those pressures, you know all that heat uh, but no numbers at the end of the season. All right, moving on now. if you were listening to this on Tuesday morning, which is the day after we record, rookies have reported to training camp officially very exciting. a week from now will be call it the rest of the players. And obviously there's not too much to report on that quite yet. We will have a lot of that in the weeks to come. But the one thing that I do want to talk about, I teased it in the last episode, so I'm going to, you know, I'll be damned I'm going to bring it up in this episode. It's the James Prochet Award. And this is a player who has all the positive buzz during training camp, is, you know, on the field before practice, and is the last guy off the field after practice, is working the jugs machine, uh... The, the bot, he's in the best shape of his life, uh, all those good things that we hear. And we're going we're gonna to pick a player as opposed to, you know, who was that player this season because we haven't had training camp yet. We're going to do, who do we want that player to be, but who then actually has a great season? Who do we want? We have to pick one player. It cannot be an existing star on the team. You can't pick Lamar Jackson because he's going to look good in camp, and then he's probably going to have a very good season. I'm talking the, the, the either the rookies or the underrated players or the players who haven't shown much in their first few seasons. If you could pick one guy, Jace and Tim, who you would love to look great in camp and then follow that up by having a career season, who would you pick?
3: So I had a few names uh, for this category. One name that immediately came to mind was Ben Cleveland, uh, certainly in the, the battle for left guard. Another Great name choice. I had that I thought I'd go with was Rashad Bateman, but that almost seems too obvious because, you know, the Ravens need Rashad Bateman to be good, I feel like. So the answer I'm going to go, maybe a little off the board, uh, but is Jordan Stout, the punter, drafted by the Ravens. Uh, I'm looking to see some big bombs from the social media team on the feed. And the reason I want him to, 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 to grab this award is because I just don't need Raven's Twitter freaking out about Sam Cook coming back and all that, all this offseason. You know, we don't need to put undue pressure on this rookie punter. Just go out, bomb putts, and don't drop holds, and everything will be okay. <laughs> so that is why, for me, I want Jordan Stout uh, is is my pick for... Uh, James Prochet watch because I think he's going to find his way into you know when there's no one else on the practice fields but the kickers and punters they'll they'll throw some punt footage up on on the Instagram and the Twitter accounts and uh yeah I'm looking forward to it so (laughs) that's why he's my pick
2: I absolutely love that pick (laughs) and for somebody that loves offensive line defensive line and punting I I could not I can't believe I didn't even think of, of Jordan Stout that's so smart even just like oh man justin tucker's talking about how clean his holds are it's like it's like the <laughs> sa- just like dealing with sam cook all over again that is such a great pick i i, I kind of narrowed this down and I'm, I'm trying to think as we go um i have a couple guys i don't need to go too deep um we're gonna talk about receivers a bit later in the show and that maybe that's part of the reason i went away from this but rename the james brochet award to the Devin DuVarnet award <laughs> <laughs> and he comes up, and it's like, oh, yeah, the Ravens didn't miss anything with Hollywood Brown being a deep threat because here's Devin DuVernay. They didn't need Julio Jones' Antonio, who's forcing us to pick a receiver later in the show. Spoiler alert. Um, so Devin DuVernay was on there, but, you know, that's a that's an Antonio wide receiver sexy pick. I don't like that very much. Um, <laughs> Adafi Owe, probably too much of a quote-unquote star on this team, although I wouldn't really say that, of holy crap, he looks great, and then he comes out and has, you know, 14 sacks and it's just like oh man the Ravens got their guy here he comes um I think that would be interesting as well one guy who I don't want to talk about yet because I know as we get closer to the season we're going to do who is your breakout player uh who's the guy that's going to really step up it's Justin Matabuke mark it here July 18th as as we record he is going to be by the end of the season the star of that defensive line over the likes of Calais Campbell Matabuke is going to be the guy that you're thinking of in the middle of the defense uh in the trenches for me so I'm going to flip to the other side of the trenches. And it's not Ben Cleveland, although I do love that pick. It's Tyler Linderbaum, the first-round pick. Uh, I think I would absolutely love to get the notes from Jeff Zareback and Jamison Hensley and Luke Jones and what have you about, oh, man. Linderbaum, That's why they, that's why they traded away Hollywood. Like, look at this guy. He's already showing good chemistry with Lamar. He's commanding. He's calling out blitz packages and stuff. He really looks like that dude. Uh, they, they talk about you can't re- maybe in the preseason games where there's more physicality man he could hold up against those big guys we- remember we were worried about him being a bit too small or his arms being too short it looks like greg roman's changing things up to really utilize linderbaum and you know god willing we'll see if that happens and then by by the end of the year we're talking about oh my god they just drafted creed humphrey like like the chiefs did guy that they drafted in the draft had some concerns, went a little bit later than he should have, and now is like, oh, yeah, this guy's probably top two center in the National Football League. If we could just get Linderbaum to be at that level, where we're talking about him with Jason Kelsey and Humphrey and all these other guys, immediately, uh, it would be, I mean, come on. (laughs) I'm getting the Linderbaum jersey next year. Like, we're having the 64 on the back. Let's go. Um, So, uh, yeah, that that one for me is probably my – I would love the – prochet award but to work out the problem is the thing about the james prochet award that antonio kind of took away from this conversation is that the part of the award is that it doesn't work out it's the guy <laughs> in trading camp that's supposed to be like holy crap raven's twitter's freaking out and then it just doesn't work so you know Ever the optimist, Mr. Barbero. Let's see, but for me, yeah, the, the big man out of Iowa. Let's let's hope that he turns into an absolute stud.
1: It's summertime. It's warm. You know, I don't want to have the who do we think who it. do we think is going to bomb uh, this this it. off season. Fair enough. Uh, a few, yeah, a few guys. I mean, you would love you would love for this to be Patrick Queen. Uh, I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen. I don't, <laughs> I don't expect it to happen, so I'm not choosing him. I almost wanted to give the James Prochet Award to James Prochet because we need help <laughs> in the in the wide receiver room because it is a Shambolic group of players at this moment in time, and that's why we're talking wide receivers later in this episode. If Rashad Bateman pulls a hamstring, it is a horrendous room of talent, so it could be one of those guys. But I'm going to sort of do like a a 1B of that. And, you know, I'm cheating at my own game, but whatever, you know, it's July. My player who I want to get the James Prochet award and then have a great season is tight end 2. And I don't care who it is. Mark Andrews is going to be triple teamed all season if these are the wide receivers that are on this team. So we better have someone else step up on the other side of the line, on the other side in the slot, whatever. And it could be Nick Boyle. Not really the pass catcher, but would help the, you know, the tight end group, would help the offense move. Could be Charlie Kohler, could be Isaiah Likely.
2: Isaiah Likely season, baby. Let's go. I don't
1: care. I want one of them to look amazing in camp and then have a really good season. For Boyle, that version is just is healthy, is back to being what he was before the injury. For Isaiah Likely, it's look at this other playmaker that we now have in the exact position that Lamar Jackson loves to throw the football to. Charlie Kohler. Turn some heads. Have the soft hands. You know, make contested catches on third down. Just somebody. (laughs) uh, And that'll help resolve the passing game just a little bit while the Ravens figure out what to do with wide receivers um, yeah so those are our nominees may they look good in camp and prosper next up in Ravens news is uh, oh, it's it's some hot sizzling takes in the media about J.K. Dobbins I'm going to turn to Tim on this one because he found it I think like right before we started to record Uh, Some reports, Tim, that J.K. Dobbins would not be ready for week one, but then J.K. himself stepping in to to counter that old media.
2: Yeah, so I I wouldn't even – it wasn't necessarily even hot takes. Uh, The NFL Network team is back on Monday reporting, and Ian Rappaport, uh, obviously their their insider there, Adam Schefter, if you're not really an NFL Network person, uh, said that it's no sure thing that Dobbins is cleared to play when the season opens. This comes from the article on NFL.com. Written by Kevin Patra uh, here from Rappaport. Quote It sounds like the recovery is going well. He's pushing hard as he possibly can. There hasn't really been any setbacks. That said, just based on the timing of the injury, my understanding is he's no sure thing to make week one. In fact, based on an estimate I was given by someone I trust, there's certainly a possibility that he's not ready for week one. Perhaps. Even could get on the field for a couple weeks after that. It's not to say the rehab is going bad. It's just a serious, complex injury with the ACL and the meniscus. There was a lot. So, J.K. Dobbins, as athletes tend to do, as one Lamar Jackson does a lot that we'll talk about here in just a second, uh, quote tweeted this from Ian Rappaport and said, Okay, I'm tired of being quiet. Count... Come to me for your source at Rapsheet, who, by the way, this source is definitely someone within the Ravens organization, (laughs) or his agent, Zach Hiller, who loves to speak out on Twitter. It's one of the two, guys. This is, like, this is what happens. This is how these guys get this information. Because I might, and going back to JK here, because I might not even go on the PUP, the Physically Unable to Perform list, because that's how good my rehab is going, and I'm damn sure I'm going to be ready for week one. (laughs) I I don't know what to make of any of this. Like, it's... it's funny you now. Everybody's posting the J.K. meme of if you didn't, if you haven't seen the video of J.K. working out and absolutely bodying one of the guys holding a tackling dummy for him, like just, I'm pretty sure concussing this man, this <laughs> poor guy, with with a stiff arm or like a shoulder charge. You know, I, I think you guys will echo the sentiment I have. If if this source and rap sheet obviously will never give this up, if this source is someone. Who is part of the medical staff or is part of the coaching staff who says we're going to wait. We have, first of all, the Jets, and we also have Mike Davis, and Gus Edwards is probably ready, and we can give some carries to the young guy, Tyler Batty. Maybe we just save J.K. for a couple weeks. I'm more than fine with that Uh, and really don't need J.K. going to make a stink about, (laughs) you know, about I need to play week one because I need to get my 150 rushing yards against the Jets. So I, I, I don't know. This is the era we live in now where athletes can respond. Uh, I, I was actually, I, I watch and listen to the Pat McAfee show. They had Rapsheet on as JK tweeted this, and they have him on a lot, so they were able to joke with him, basically saying, You got buried, man. What the hell? Like, the, your reporting is terrible. And obviously, it was all tongue in cheek. And Rapsheet, to his credit, said, Look, I'm going to trust the source I have. He's a really good source. I've used him multiple times for for the Ravens and things like that. So I'm going to stick with my reporting. And look, if he's ready to go week one, all credit to him. And that that's incredible. So good, good on Ian for kind of – Rappaport, sorry. I can't call him by first name. That was stupid. <laughs> good on him for kind of saying, look – This is what I know, and maybe it's different, but this is what I'm reporting because I get it, and we'll just have to see. But yeah, would I love JK Week 1? Yes. Would I love JK Week 1 at 95%? Absolutely not. Sit your butt down, be 100%, 110% before you get back on that football field.
3: It, It is weird the time we live in where I am more inclined to believe an anonymous source than the player himself true. saying it
2: but because well, a player always wants to be on. The
3: right exactly right. and it did seem like jk is just kind of being defensive about something that like you know maybe could be perceived as critical of him i don't really think so but like yeah like being like actually I- i'm having the best rehab of all time and i'm going to be 18 times stronger than i was before it's like okay man calm down <laughs> like <laughs> it's okay to you know if you're not 100 percent for week one but uh but yeah, like you said, I'm glad you brought it up, Tim. Because yeah, you know, as going through J school and obviously being in the industries now and stuff, we all we all know how it works. And like you said, it's one of two sources, really. It's it's the team, <laughs> it's a t- someone with the team. A, a, you know, even if it's like an assistant GM or something, or or yeah. It likely, especially you see this all the time, especially in the NBA, but in the NFL too. When Rappaport and Schefter tweet out basically the exact same thing at the exact same time, you just assume they're on a giant group text with the guy's agent or something. <laughs> so
2: and they say you can send this out at eleven fifty seven a.m. on this day. Yeah.
3: yeah. So so yeah, I, it does seem to me like he's not. You know, it is just no sure thing, like they said and that. You know, it makes some sense. If the injury was that serious he suffered it the last preseason game, so it hasn't even been a year yet. So yeah. So I'm inclined to believe that he, he might not be ready. And that's a bummer, but we kinda talked about that possibility, uh, I believe on our last show. Um, maybe two shows ago. But uh I, I do think the Ravens have done a better job preparing to not have JK. Uh certainly I mean, there's no way to prepare for what happened last season, but I I think the contingency plans they put in place you know, they drafted a guy that they like who was productive in in the SEC. I think that's even a better option than just Tyson Williams, who, you know, I think we all think didn't get the fairest shake in the world. But I think you have to like what, you know, Batty's done and did in college and has done in, in training camp. So I, I think they're just more prepared for it uh, than they were. And yeah, get JK 100%. I understand his want to come back, but don't rush it. Because we saw what happened with Ronnie Stanley, and he missed basically a whole other season because of it.
1: Yeah, when Dobbins misses the first four weeks of the season, it's going to be. Well, we'll see if he readdresses. Uh, yeah, the, might be the,
3: some deleted tweets, the <laughs> tweets
1: that he that he sent out there. But yeah, summer. You know, summertime chatter. Everybody could be right. You know, the opinion that was taken may have been. Well, we, it's not a hundred percent, and even J.K. is not saying a hundred percent. But it feels good. Feels good. This, you know, the best bod, best shape he's ever been in his life. <laughs> yeah. That's right. uh, his hands are in good shape, and he'll he'll be ready for week one. We'll see, um, but thought it was very funny that this uh, this age of athletes just immediately responding to reports about them as they are happening. All right, the last bit of Ravens news that I wanted to talk about, and this is now it's been a, it feels like it's been two days. It's probably been a week since this story kind of died down, but the NFL s- published their top 10 rankings at positions across the NFL. And they had execs, coaches, players vote on this and then rank the players at all different positions. They do this every year. They've done it for several years. And the QB list came out and, oh, oh, doggy, uh our very own Lamar Jackson, former MVP, dual threat, unicorn talent, not in the top 10 of the best Quarterbacks, according to league professionals, league executives, league coaches, etc., the top ten list: Rogers, Mahomes, Allen, Brady, Burrow, <laughs> Stafford, Herbert, Wilson, Watson, Watson, Prescott. Those are the top ten. Lamar not in it. Lot of lot of blowback, which is what these rankings are designed to do. ESPN can publish them. People can react to them. Then ESPN's NFL experts can react to the reaction. Mina Kimes was all over Lamar not being in the top 10. And then you feed, you have that feed itself for the next week. And boy did it. So let's talk about it here. Thoughts, overall impressions, Lamar Jackson not in the top 10 after everything that we've seen in terms of what the Ravens looked like with him off the field and what we've seen from him on the field. Uh, over the last few seasons. I I don't know how hot, how spicy this is going to be, but should Lamar have been in the
2: top ten? I don't give a flying, and I have to edit this podcast, so I'm not going to say the word. I don't care. Who cares? This is why I hate ESPN now. If you want to go spicy, we could just talk about the media cycle. They make up their own stories to feed their own content because, as a producer myself, they have lazy producers who don't want to do their job and actually find interesting things to talk about. Trust me. We've all been there. I'm in the dog days of summer in my own sport right now. We're talking about... Uh, what are the most, what are the the unwritten rules of sports as a question of the day? And you know what? It hits because I'm good at my job. These ESPN producers don't know what they... They just are like, oh, what is, what is, uh, skips on, whatever, First, Fox, who cares, Skip, uh, Stephen A., it doesn't matter. Any of these talking heads who opinion, their opinion doesn't matter. All that matters is their emotion and the way they say things and say the craziest thing but really believe it so people get fired up and then it's all over Twitter and look, we can repost the same thing on Instagram 700 times in the past month because it, it'll get the clicks. I just the, the state of media in that way drives me absolutely crazy and the fact that this, had to go on for legitimately two or three days about Lamar Jackson not being a top ten quarterback. You know what, Lamar? Just prove it on the field. Getting fights with Bernard Pollard on Twitter—that's fine. <laughs> it was funny. Bernard Pollard has been a a hater uh, all of, of of Lamar Jackson since like 2018, I think, when he was coming into the draft, said he wasn't gonna be a good quarterback. You want to read the receipts? We just talked about it with JK Dobbins. Athletes respond to people now. Fine. It was funny. Him all, him doing the all caps. This guy named Bernard is hilarious to me. Uh, as well. Like good good for him on that. But I just I can't stand this whole media machine that espn has created for themselves where they're like we're gonna release this list they know that there's controversy here they know by the way you want to hear the the really sick part of this they know putting deshaun watson on here is a bad thing like don't don't be naive to this folks they know that that's gonna stir controversy which some of their own people are going to have to talk about and confront a la amina kimes as well they, they know this is an issue, and they're going to do it anyway because it's going to get the clicks, and they can sit on their lazy butt for three days and be like, oh, what are we going to talk about in the A block? Oh, you know, the the quarterback list again. I guess we can just do that. You know, we could do something creative and construct. Nah, 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 nah. quarterback list. It gets people fired up. Ratings, ratings, ratings. It's horrible. It's despicable. It's terrible. It's not journalism. It's it's not. Nobody needs it right now. Find something else to cover. Soccer's going on right now. Soccer's pretty cool. You could talk about that. That's not going to get the ratings or the clicks, though maybe that's a little biased i will admit but i just i this whole here's a list that our whole entire team can talk about for for the next week it just it you'll never guess based on my tone drives me insane
3: i think that was a impromptu version of what's bothering tim
2: <laughs> sorry my bad no uh i agree checking with the levels of what on you... my feed here it got way too loud my apologies guys <laughs>
3: I agree with a lot of what you said, but at the same time, also, the list bothers me. I know it shouldn't, but... <laughs> um, but, you know, it does. Uh, you know, why is Dak Prescott ahead of Lamar Jackson? That's silly. Uh, Burrow's way too high, I think, Antonio, you mentioned that. It's 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 wild to me, and you read, like, some of the quotes in this. It, like, all these people do is, like, watch film for 20 hours a day, and yet sometimes I feel like... like I don't know. They, like it feels like they don't watch football sometimes
2: because it clearly or they're just old and stuck in their ways. <laughs> they don't like how he plays, and so that's not. Go- they're okay. never going to be convinced otherwise. With Lamar, that's a hundred percent. There's a, a quarter or two I do
3: want to just touch on from this ESPN piece that they surveyed, but but like like Burrow being five, and then Stafford after him's like. Oh, someone watched the playoffs. Like, (laughs) you know, Joe Burrow's a great quarterback. He's probably not better than Justin Herbert. Like, the fact that Herbert's behind him is kind of wild to me. But whatever. Uh, Yeah, Watson being on this is wild. And even, like, I don't even know, like, how so many people voted for him because literally all the quotes... Uh, that they have from executives is like, yeah, he sure missed a lot of time. Don't know he can just come back and uh, stuff. And what, what one guy said uh, on Watson, he said, all I know is that when he had his best NFL season, his team still went 4-12. and A good quarterback, but he still has a lot to show on the field. And that's, you know, top 10 ahead of the MVP. So what do I know? But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, but in terms of, like, the watching the game, that, like, I feel like people just don't, and it's totally exactly what you just said, Tim, guys stuck in their ways. One guy, an NFL offensive coach was out, ESPN credited this guy, said, uh, said, quote, hard to stay healthy when you run that much. He's actually gotten a lot better as a passer. But if you play that way and it's a close game and you're down, it's really hard to win because you're asked to do what you only minor in, not major in. That's passing the ball when they know you're going to pass it. This guy did not watch a Ravens game last season when they came back from, like, 14 points down multiple times with Jackson throwing for 350-plus yards against the Colts. He did it on Monday Night Football. Against the Vikings, he did it. Uh, The injury that he suffered was a sack in the pocket. (laughs) He got his ankle just hit on a sack, Uh, like... Just a normal drop back. It had nothing to do with running around and scrambling and getting popped. He just got hit, and, you know, he got a bad ankle injury. Uh, And then, like, another guy, you know, this is the other quote they have in the ESPN piece. is an NFC personnel evaluator said, Innately competitive, driven, and mentally tougher than just about anybody. Seems pretty good, what you want, right? But then he added, "You just run into a few issues late in the year. For as much as you run them, you get worn down." Which I think is also going back to the Titans' playoff loss, which I feel like no one also watched that game because Lamar Jackson had five hundred and thirty-six total yards and was the only good part of that team. Didn't he? Wasn't he? Wasn't the one who dropped like fifteen passes that game? But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> he, <laughs> it just drives me nuts, and I feel like yeah, it's exactly what Tim said. It's guys who had made their opinion. Up on him uh, in 2018, going into the draft, and just haven't, you know. I mean, even the one guy's like he's a better passer, but you know, I, I he's not in the top 10. <laughs> it's, it's crazy to me. So I, yeah, I, I almost
1: didn't do this section in this episode this yeah, week, I, yeah. and I'm I glad, mean, and I'm glad that I did. I'm so glad <laughs> that I did because I got a what's bothering Tim. I got a what's bothering Jace. Uh, yeah, the Watson thing. Like, this list is kind of geared toward, uh, you know, what have you done for me lately, which is how we get Burrow so high and how we get Matthew Stafford so high. And then we also have Deshaun Watson at nine when he didn't play the entire previous season. It's very odd, it's very strange. You know, let's. Can, how many times can we print this out and send it to Lamar for him to put just plaster all over the locker no, he's room? He's seen
2: it. He's seen it. Don't worry about that. Um,
1: because that's the greatest thing I think we can take away from it is that he's ranked not high enough, and that'll get him, you know, angry to perform and earn a half a billion dollar contract that the Ravens won't be able to afford, and then all of our <laughs> dreams are crushed. But anyway, uh, yeah, wanted to bring this up. Wanted to touch on it. It is. It's. It's sort of like stupid fun over the summer uh, that ESPN creates because they want the NFL to be a year-long talking point. But it's on you, Lamar. Let's let's see let's see you be uh, top three, top two. Dare I say, it? first overall uh, on next year's list after you have that Super Bowl MVP trophy to, to to show off. All right, that's it for Ravens news. We're gonna do the random Raven. Then we're gonna touch on a little bit of NFL and play the wide receiver game tim you are up this week with the random raven so
2: who do you have for us the wide receiver game is such a antonio game i love it um this one actually you guys will get this one i i am fully confident uh I, it wasn't on the list i was i was a, a tad surprised although this guy might be just above random raven but you know we are kind of scratching at the bottom of the barrel here as well i was actually moving a friend of mine this weekend Um, into a new place and we found an old like tiny little uh, not nerf but like squishy football signed by this player and so i thought you know what i need to i need to put this guy in here so the clues aren't super vague uh they might be vague to the listener uh i know you two will uh, you guys might have this from moment two to be honest uh so let's let's get into it here clue number one this two-time first team all-american Spent five of his seven NFL seasons in Baltimore. Clue number two. Despite a lackluster career, I think we would all agree, (laughs) he is statistically a top five player at his position for the Ravens. I might have it. (laughs) Yeah. I figured you'd be right there. I might. But keep going. (laughs) Clue number three. Even though he was a first-round pick, he was the fifth player taken at his position including the player selected right before him, Matt Jones, out of Arkansas. That didn't work out, by the way. You can read read up on that one. I'm not going to, you know. Clue number four. He has the exact same name of a much more famous player at his position, but the two are not related. I tried. Like, I looked, and I thought they were related. They are definitely not. Or I couldn't find anything, and you would think that would be easy to find. And clue number five. He wore the same number as the Ravens' current best receiving option.
1: It, it's funny because I went to the wrong player at first when you said that. <laughs> when you said the best receiving—that's <laughs> rece- some optimism. That's some optimism for uh, for next season because yeah, I went to like,
3: what number did Rashad Bateman change? <laughs> that's
1: <laughs> exactly what I thought. of. <laughs> that is exactly what I thought of, but uh, not yet. All right. Well, that's. A fantastic random Raven. Yeah, I think I think I have him. I might be overconfident with this, but I think I have him. Jace will definitely have him, Uh, and we'll uh, we'll have Tim reveal that at the end of the episode. All right. A couple of things in the NFL. The first one is a fun one, and it's reportedly Orlando Brown and the Chiefs cannot reach a long-term extension, and Orlando Brown will play on the franchise tag next season. Orlando Brown, former Ravens right tackle, who is a left tackle, traded to the Chiefs for a first-round draft pick. And then the plan was to keep Brown for as long as possible, and now that's run into some problems because Orlando Brown is not agreeing to the amounts that the Chiefs are willing to pay him. Uh, This is a report from ESPN's Adam Schefter. The Chiefs' final offer to Brown was a six-year, $139 million deal that included $30.25 million signing bonus and a $95 million in the first five years of the contract. But Orlando Brown Jr. said nay. So we, we've we reached a certain date where now he will have to play on the franchise tag for a year, and then they will, I guess, try again next season? Have the Ravens officially 100% won this trade, or do we still need more from, uh, from the, the first-round draft pick that the Ravens got in exchange?
3: Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I don't, I certainly don't think the Ravens are upset they don't have to deal with this contract negotiation, uh, because it's a weird one. I mean, by some metrics, uh, Orlando Brown was one of their perhaps biggest problems on the offensive line last season. I mean, right tackles for them's been... A bigger problem, I guess, since Mitchell Schwartz went down. So comparatively, he's better than what they got going on on the right side. But the interior of the Chiefs' line is great, and Orlando Brown was not as great last season. So it's it's a weird spot. And I, I mean, I guess you 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 can get you know what the the market says you're worth, and he's going to make a ton of money on guaranteed on this deal. So it's not the worst result for him to be franchised twice. But certainly, you know, from the perspective of when he left the Ravens, it was because he wanted a long-term deal as a left tackle, and he hasn't gotten that. So, in that sense, the Ravens, I guess, win the trade from that angle, because they, they you know, they removed themselves from a situation that they, where they just couldn't go down this road, both financially and, you know, just don't have to deal with it. So, yeah, I don't want to say they 100% want it, because, you know, I'd love more than five and a half sacks from OA, but... uh it's looking like they didn't they they didn't make the wrong decision i think it's safe to say
2: so jace i need to correct you on one thing uh orlando brown jr did not leave or request to leave the ravens because he wanted a long-term deal as a left tackle he wanted it because of his father's legacy and said that his father wanted him to be a left tackle and that's what he wanted that's bs and frankly, and this is not an original take by me, this has been all over Ravens Twitter and stuff, so I'm not trying to like, just do this as myself. He used his father, who, by the way, if you don't know, Orlando Brown Sr., who uh, unfortunately is no longer with us, who played for the Ravens for a very long time, Zeus. Um, he used his father to avoid the criticism of, hey, I just want more money. Come out and say you wanted more money. That's fine. Left <coughs> tackle gets paid more than a right tackle does. Completely understand that, and you want to go prove yourself. The fact of the matter is, he did not perform to the level he is asking for. He is asking for an absurd amount of money, and to say three three 365 days ago, or, or a bit more, obviously, because it was before last year's draft, that it was only because his father wanted to, him to play left tackle, and he wants to respect that, is, is is a joke. I mean, that's just not what it was. He he wanted to play left tackle and prove himself to, to get more money for his family, and I completely respect that. Get your bag. These owners have plenty of money. They can they can part with some. Bishotti, Lamar. Th- 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 just that that kind of sickens is probably too strong, but that just makes me uneasy a little bit. And you know what? He's not good enough for what he's trying to get. And this is, and this, I think the Ravens have ultimately won this trade. One, because I believe in, in a Dafeo way, but two, can you imagine the Ravens dealing with this headache right now? They already have dealing with a headache. is Lamar's not a headache, but they're dealing with every day the national media being like, well, Lamar Jackson hasn't signed a contract. And what happens if Lamar doesn't sign a contract? And what will do Lamar do? No, contract, contract, Lamar, Lamar, contract, Lamar, contract. And then you'd have to throw in the Orlando Brown stuff on top of that. The, the Ravens got a good player. We know this already. And barring injury, I think out flat outright they have won this trade based on the nonsense headache that Orlando Brown Jr. is putting the Chiefs through right now.
3: Well, and just to, you nailed it, like declining the deal that was offered to him, like is a good bit of money. And I completely agree with you. It, it, I, I don't see him getting more than that. I mean, hopefully, I mean, I guess when you consider guarantees and stuff on the franchise tag and all that, but like, it does seem like a good deal for him. And to, to kind of speak to the point you said, Tim, if you Google Orlando Brown Jr. right now, the top two uh, top stories results on Google are, From Arrowhead Report, uh, is Orlando Brown Jr. declining offer is net positive for KC Chiefs? And then the other is an NFL.com headline that says, quote unquote, frustration for Chiefs over long-term deal talks with Orlando Brown. So, you know, that's not where you— Oh, and then wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on.
2: NFL from Chiefs Wire, which is, I believe, USA Today. Jace, correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. NFL executives ranked Chiefs left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. outside of the top 10. <laughs> so he's not worth what he's asking for. And this happens all the time in the NFL. I understand that. But this is just – it sucks because he was so good as a right tackle. Like, well, he's he's so, a, he so is a good
3: player, but he's not a great left tackle. He's and not that's what, he what, he, he he what he wants to be paid as.
1: Yeah. He's going to play oh, – I just had it in front of me and I've lost it. He's playing under the franchise tag. I believe it's 16 – Million. It's, it's either 13 or 16. So uh, a comfortable amount for one year. And then I suppose they'll try all over again. Uh, <laughs> Orlando Brown has not been afraid of, you know, prove it seasons. So yeah, I'm sure he relishes this. And then we'll see where they're at uh, a year from now. But yeah, interesting stuff out of Kansas City as the Chiefs try to return to their, what, 17th AFC championship game. In <laughs> uh, all right. And now we're going to turn to. I don't know, I guess my favorite position. It's not my favorite position, but I, 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 do, I do bring it up quite a bit because it's like my long-lost love, uh, the Ravens having a number one wide receiver. It's just, it's never happened. It's so far away all the time. So we're going to start by talking about good wide receivers, and then we're going to talk about <laughs> the Ravens' room of wide receivers and what needs to happen. So uh, the initial thought for this was just Justin Jefferson, wide receiver for Minnesota. I was on some, I don't know, some new media, some podcast, some radio show, talking about how he, at this point in the beginning, you know, about to start year three, uh, is the number two wide receiver in the NFL, oddly deferred to another NFL player, which I don't think happens a lot when you ask any player if they're the best at whatever they're doing, but he did say Devontae Adams, he's number one, I'm number two, and then I'm paraphrasing a little bit, like, but I'm gonna be number one this season or next season or very, very soon, So let's talk about it. Let's chat about it. I'm going to bring that ESPN list up again, just for Tim, I guess. But the top five that ESPN had was uh, Devontae Adams' Cooper Cup, who is a name that I think gets just sort of forgotten a lot. He he almost had 2,000 yards last season. Jamar Chase at 3, Justin Jefferson at 4, and then Tyreek Hill at 5. You okay with that list? Do you think Justin Jefferson is 2? Should he be higher on this list? Are there other players that you would put... In here, just curious as to your guys' thoughts about uh, you know, looking outside of Ravenland and seeing the super talents uh, at wide receiver one across the NFL.
2: I'll just go quickly, Jace, because I don't care about lists. Um, but I, Justin Jefferson, I could completely see being the number one guy. Like 1,000%. That dude is a stud. Credit to the Vikings. It, it's a weird trade when you see the Vikings traded. If you don't know, they traded Stephon Diggs, who was an elite wide receiver at that time. For a first-round pick, and just replaced him with Justin <laughs> Jefferson, and it, it, you, it's weird to see that kind of move. Like you look at the Ravens, the Ravens will trade the wide receiver to bring in the offensive lineman, and that's why how how I became a fan of football. Uh, and but the, the Vikings just did a one-for-one. One. They got a guy at a lesser uh, lesser money, and they were like, let's see if this guy's as good. And right now, I would say he's probably better. Justin Jefferson is a freak talent. The Devontae Adams thing, like. I think people are underrating that he's going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. Derek Carr, good quarterback. And I know that they obviously played together at Fresno State and what have you. But Devontae Adams, very, very good. Don't get me wrong. And probably should be preseason number one if we are going to, you know, if I will humor you and talk about said list. But I I, I know he bailed out Rodgers a lot, but Rodgers bailed him out too. Like, come on. There's there's definitely something there. Um, But there's a lot of heat. On this Minnesota Vikings team, people are. I've been I've been following some gambling stuff and you know getting into previews and what have you because again we're all so in need of football. We're like in the desert right now, dying of thirst. The Vikings are getting a lot of buzz. Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach, obviously. uh, First of all, Google Kevin O'Connell. His picture when he was a player with the Jets pops up instead of a a more modern picture, and uh, it's something if you just want to give that a quick Google. Uh, when they look at, it type, I typed in Vikings head coach just to remember who it was. Um, so if the Vikings are what everybody thinks they are and Kirk Cousins has a pretty good, you know, good to great season under Kevin O'Connell and the the offensive wizardry, what have you. Yeah, I could totally see Justin Jefferson by the end of the year, we're going, holy crap, that guy's number one.
3: I, I do think like long-term Jefferson could be that guy. And I, I think when you look at, Certainly the guys on the list, he seems to be playing from the most, uh, you know, I'd say probably the getting the least help from his QB, though I, I don't hate Cousins as much as most. Um, but, you know, compared to a lot of the other guys on this list, it is just weird. Cooper Cup led every receiving category last season. He, like, won the receiving triple crown and then won the Super Bowl MVP. And it is strange to be like, But he's not the best receiver, actually. It's like, well, he was last year in everything. (laughs) He, like, probably, I don't know if he ended up winning Offensive Player of the Year, but he certainly uh, could have been in the conversation. Uh, Yeah, he did. He won Offensive Player of the Year last year. So, (laughs) like, uh, yeah. Couldn't do much more to be the best at his (laughs) position. And the only thing he didn't win was MVP because, like, they never will give the wide rec- wide receivers the MVP, just, like, on principle, basically. You have to be a quarterback or a running back, pretty much. But, uh, yeah, so it's weird, a little weird to be Cups not one One that terrifies me as a, um, you know, a division rival is Jamar Chase because oh, God. he had a sensational season, and it's easy to forget he was just a rookie last year. So that's a problem, and I know we talked about Joe Burrow being a little too high on that QB list, even though he threw for roughly 1,000 yards against the Ravens last year in two games. So, I'm very concerned. I'm monitoring Jamar Chase, but I I do think for my money, I probably actually would go Jefferson over Adams, just because I I also worry a little... It's an age thing, partly. Jefferson's a lot younger, but also just like, um, with Adams, yeah, I don't know... What, you know, he was Aaron Rodgers' security blanket, but, you know, Rodgers is also pretty damn good. He he, A few can put a ball where Aaron Rodgers can put a ball. So, I'm a little worried about that drop-off, too, for Adams. So, I'd probably go Jefferson over Adams. I think he's really good. It is rare, like you said, that Diggs trade's crazy. Diggs was eighth in the NFL in receiving yards last year. Uh, and just, I guess to put a Ravens bow on this, this was a good reminder for me because I'd completely forgotten that when you look at just sort by yards last season, Mark Andrews was sixth in the NFL in receiving yards last season. So, you know, that's, the Ravens got that at least, uh, if, if not an actual, you know, wide receiver. <laughs> a
1: few numbers I want to follow up with. Justin Jefferson, in two seasons, has 3,000 receiving yards, 196 receptions, and 17 touchdowns, was drafted... Uh, what is it? I'm looking at the pick here, 22nd. So not even not a top five, not a top 10 guy. Cooper Cup, a third round pick. Devonte Adams, a second round pick. These guys are there. They're they're in. They're available. You just have to you just have to find them. Uh, the Kirk Cousins stuff that I think JSU touched on is always hilarious to me. Like he seems better than he ends up being. If that he makes sense. He had three
3: touchdowns like, last year. When I. <laughs>
1: In every game, it seems like he's super talented and accurate, and handles pressure and throws touchdowns. But they're, then they're just behind; they're, they're like not leading games, or they're still and then losing you watch games. Him in
2: prime time. It's
1: very odd. He's a very interesting player. Has done very well contract contract wise. Had one of the ended up being one of the best uh, NFL contracts in terms of all that guaranteed money. But yeah, some some fascinating things. And I just want the Ravens to have one of these guys. So that's my pivot point <laughs> to the Ravens wide receiver room, Uh, I maintain they need someone else. I don't think you can go into week one with this group, uh, even with all of them healthy. Uh, I think you have question marks basically at wide receiver one through four uh, at the various stages of what they've produced and what they've proven, but the Ravens will wait and wait and wait and then probably sign somebody in August or something like that, so I figured we should touch on the free agents that are available at this moment because... We know they're not going to trade for a wide receiver at this stage. Uh, Jeff Sarebek had a very good piece on, uh, the athletic where he essentially went through the position groups and he analyzed which position group got better, which one got worse, which one stayed the same, uh, through the off season. And with the trading of Hollywood Brown, he obviously said that the Ravens wide receiver group is worse than it was a season ago. So they got to add somebody guys. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is available. Will Fuller is available. Julio Jones is there. T.Y. Hilton, if he's, I don't know, healthy, if he doesn't have, like, a splinter or something, that's going to make him be out for a few weeks. Emmanuel Sanders uh, is there. That was a name that I was sort of surprised to, like, realize I forgot all about, Emmanuel Sanders. He played last year and had pretty good numbers in Buffalo. Or someone else. So I turned to my co-hosts. First of all, I mean, disagree with me if you feel you know, strongly that we do not need another wide receiver at this point in time. Otherwise, what is the solution? What is the Who is the stopgap? Who is the safest move for this uh, group of guys? And what do the Ravens have to do at wide receiver before week one?
3: We talked about what's bothering Jace a little earlier. This is really what's bothering Jace. I mean, we just went through this list, Antonio, of all these great names. And you know what you thought when you said, I wish we had one of these guys, my thought was we will... In 2033, we'll have a 40, uh, 38-year-old Justin Jefferson will catch 20 balls for the Ravens uh, in one touchdown. That's just what this franchise does, and it dri- it's starting to drive me insane. I hate that we're having this conversation right now. Like, I, yes, we need to sign one of these guys, and they're not going to do anything for us, regardless of, <laughs> of the one we sign. Um, if I had my pick, I would actually... I mean... <sighs> We've established, I think, our opinion on Odell Beckham here. He's obviously the best, but also there's, like, basically no guarantee he plays this year. He tore his ACL in February. So that's that's a long-term play, if anything. So I don't see that happening. Uh, because, as you said, we, the Ravens need help this season immediately. Um, Will Fuller uh, played all of two games. He's constantly hurt. He's, he's way younger than I thought, just turned 28. Um, so... Uh, you know, from that perspective, I think Fuller's intriguing because he's talented. He misses games all the time. He had a PD suspension last year, I believe. Um, he had zero touchdowns and he had four receptions for 26 yards in two games last year. So I, I'm not I'm not trying to hitch my wagon with him. You know, Julio Jones. At this time last year, we were probably had episodes called "We Should Get Julio Jones" or something. I know. We were high on that, but but he injuries have just ground him down. Same thing with T. Y. Hilton. So the name I actually settled on if, that I want the Ravens to sign is Emmanuel Sanders uh, because he has a, a consistency of veteran presence. But the fact that like we need a player like that. And need him to produce. It's just I mean, half these guys have been random Ravens, but Sammy Watkins, <laughs> Jeremy Macklin. Just you know, I Mike.
1: love quickly, Jace has just been rubbing his face and his temples <laughs> the in, this entire segment. It's just such I, a bummer every he, time. Please here. continue.
3: I mean I wrote out some things that just made me sad. So one was you look at who the Ravens have added. That's a drop. On, on... I wrote
2: out some things that made me sad.
3: <laughs> if you if you go to the, the as Antonio mentioned, the very good Jeff Zarebic piece. Uh, and you look at who the Ravens added, they've added six guys, and literally all six are undrafted free agents. UDFA, not what you want. Not what you want to be adding. You need... (laughs) Uh, and, And it's insane that the Ravens are in this position, because they keep drafting receivers. They've taken two, each of the prior three drafts to this year. You know, 2019, Hollywood in the first round, Miles Boykin in the third round. Oops. 2020, Devin Duvernay in the third, James Prochet in the sixth. 2021, Bateman in the first, Tylan Wallace in the fourth. How do we not have wide receivers? All they do is draft them and somehow none of them become good. It, it's just, you know, it set me down a dark road when you pr- when, when you propose this idea and I got thinking about how we're just doing this again as a, as fans and as a franchise and how, yeah, I'm like, I hope they sign Emmanuel Sanders so he can catch 30 passes for two touchdowns. Like... Oh my God, <laughs> Why every team can draft good wide receivers, and and we can't. You just see all these guys from the 2019 draft who keep getting monster extensions, Terry McLaurin, uh, you know, A.J. Brown after he was traded, D.K. Metcalf's going to get a huge deal. Ravens could have drafted all of them. They took the first receiver off the board and traded him for a center. So, you know, <laughs> it's just something with this franchise. I mean, we're like 25 years in on this franchise, and there's never been, like, one good wide receiver. Um, the best that they drafted is going to be the Random Raven answer, spoiler. <laughs> but it's just awful. I, you know, I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's what's bothering Jace. I'm just, I'm, I, the, the, the eternal spinning of just veterans who stink With this franchise, (laughs) I want it to end, and yeah, I would love to just have a guy like Justin Jefferson, and maybe Rashad Bateman can become that, but we shall see.
2: And that is where I pivot. (laughs) I don't think the Ravens need any of these guys. (laughs) I, for one, because looking at this list, I mean, it's a treasure trove of suck. Like, I just don't want any player on this list. Like, Will Fuller's great, but I have Devin Duvernay, and, and I don't know why. This is probably my most optimistic take I've ever had about the Ravens, especially the Ravens' offense. I expect this core to surprise. I expect Rashad Bateman to turn into one of these dudes. Top 10? Maybe not. But legit number one on a run-heavy team? Absolutely. Do I expect Devin Duvernay to become a burner that you have to protect over the top? absolutely do i expect tylen wallace to do something absolutely now you know i'm tempering expectations a little bit and saying that i don't think we're going to need a dude but jace goes through this list right (coughs) proche duvernay bateman wallace are probably unless i'm missing somebody probably our top four receivers if i'm just taking a quick look yeah those are probably your top four all guys that the ravens drafted very very recently in the last couple of drafts, if you keep bringing in free agents to play over them, they are never going to get room to grow and develop. I and I understand, like, well, that the Ravens' window, like, it, it may, there's a debate that it may have already closed, by the way, but it might not have closed. This is like the last chance with Lamar on the other deal, what have you, yada, yada. Great, fine, I understand that, but at some point, you gotta let the kids play and. I know they're screaming about OBJ, and people learn the salary cap, even though apparently it's fake with the Rams. You don't want Odell Beckham Jr. here in a run-heavy offense where he's not getting the ball as much as he should with Greg Roman and not Sean McVay, by the way. You don't want that here. It's going to be a nightmare. Will Fuller, sure, you can get yourself psyched up, and then he's going to pop for roids again, and then he's out. Or he's going to bust up an ankle, and he's only going to play two games, and those two games were sweet for fantasy. I've had him before on my fantasy team. And then he's going to be just a dud for the rest of the season. Emmanuel Sanders is going to be Sammy Watkins. Makes one crucial catch in one game, and that's pretty much it. Uh, Julio Jones. If Julio Jones could be, like, half of what he was at his peak, sign me up today, uh, yesterday, last week. Fine. There's a reason he's still on the market, everybody. People looked at that Tennessee year and went, oh, this guy is probably dead. Uh, Cole Beasley. Don't even have to get into him. (laughs) T.Y. Hilton. Sure? Like, does that excite anybody? I'm saying, you know what? Play the kids. Develop a different offense that uh, incorporates four tight ends, by the way, in Nick Boyle, in Mark Andrews, in Charlie Kohler, and Isaiah Likely, who has got a wide receiver build. Pat Ricard out of the backfield. Use your running backs. Tyler Batty, really good out of the backfield. J.K. Dobbins, really good out of the backfield. Gus Edwards, we've seen, can act, actually has decent hands for being a mauler that he is. Mike Davis, if he if he plays, if he makes the team, very capable out of the backfield as well. And spread the ball different ways. You're, you're not – bringing in one of these guys for me is only going to stunt the growth of a young receiver. I don't think it brings any positives of it. it there's, no, there's no guy on this list where I'm thinking, yeah, this dude's going to change the offense. The only thing I would suggest is I look at, you know, off the top of my head, I look at like a Denver. Think of, think of Denver's weapons, right? Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamlin. It's too many receivers. These are all good players. They're not elite players, but very, very good players. Russell Wilson's there. They're probably not going to trade away a receiver, so it might be a bad example because obviously they're going to let let Russ cook, quote-unquote, even though that always works out. Look at Seattle. Um, I, I could see DaCosta maybe making a move for a guy who might be on the – is better than anybody on this free agent list, but is just squeezed out by other talent. Or we trade for somebody's second receiver because they believe in their third and fourth. That I would be okay with. You know, you get it, and this isn't going to happen, but a Tim Patrick – if they're like, oh, by the way, uh, we, we love Jerry Judy, we love Cortland Sutton, we love KJ Hamler, we'll, we'll give you Tim Patrick for a third, I'd be eating Denver's handoff for that. Like, sure, give me that. But outside of that, we get into week two and we're 0-2 and I'm going to be screaming into the mic that nobody can catch the frickin' football. Completely different story, and I, I will change my opinion completely. But at this moment in time, July 18th as we record, my, my pitch is let the kids play. <sighs>
1: I agree. I like it. I want that. They need reps. They need to try to catch the ball in an NFL game. But I just see it we're in week 4. Rashad Bateman jams a finger in the third quarter of a game. And then you see Lamar Jackson just like looking around at looking at the sideline, looking up at the <laughs> owner's box. Like are you kidding me? This is what we're this is what we're working with at this point. Andrews has got 18 players covering him. And he's got to hit Tylen Wallace across the mid. Like I, I just see it going so badly, so quickly. And it's uh, I can't believe I'm gonna say this. I cannot believe I'm gonna say this. This is July Antonio talking. Odell Beckham Jr. is the best solution, <laughs> even if he doesn't start the season. You let your this crop of untested young receivers start the year. You have Odell Beckham get into, you know, playing shape, I guess. And if that experiment is a disaster, you have a bona fide wide receiver in the wings ready to come at some point during the season. Now, while he's rehabbing, you keep him miles away <laughs> from Baltimore. I don't want him talking to anybody. I don't, I don't want him hanging out with anybody. No postgame club nights, any of that stuff. But he's kind of the best in my opinion, the best solution on the field because he looked really, really good for the Rams. And if the the talent is there, if they can figure out the rehab, and he comes back by week six, by week eight, or something like that, he is an actual addition to the room. And I agree with the other names are not even really additions. They're just veteran guys who might have the same production of Devin DuVernay over 16 games, (laughs) so why sign them at all? But Beckham is a different caliber, I would say, of the other group. And that injury maybe is an opportunity where they can get him cheaper than they would otherwise. They can do the one-year deal with, you know, full of incentives on performance and all that. And how, you know, if he prevents cancers as opposed to adding cancers, he gets extra millions of dollars for the, you know, locker room fights that negates the contracts. All those things that you need for him (laughs) in a locker room. Oh my! What happened? What's going on? I can't believe I want
3: Odell Beckham Jr. on the Ravens. But the Ravens' just entire draft history is what's going on. (laughs) It's just this room, this
1: position group now is a, in my opinion, a ticking time bomb. A couple of them are going to get hurt early, like the running backs last year, and the Ravens. You know, the the front office is going to look around and scramble and have to get a couple of these guys that, that we've mentioned a couple of these veterans and it's going to be a gigantic problem. So we shall see. I'm terrified. I don't like it. I want like, I don't want Bateman to play preseason a minute of preseason. There's no need. There's no reason. I don't care if his chemistry isn't a hundred percent. It is not 100 percent its only a problem. And I hate this and I hate the wide receiver history. And I'm sad again. So I'm glad I brought this up. Uh, we will see <laughs> any, any final thoughts on, uh, on wide receivers in the Ravens' room and across the NFL before we uh, finish out the random Raven.
2: If if the Ravens sign one of Odell Beckham Jr. or Julio Jones, um, as adamant as I have been on this episode, on previous episodes, and to you two and other friends off-air, quote-unquote, I will convince myself that they are <laughs> going to be a significant piece for a Super Bowl run. And then we'll
1: do the over-under, you know, Eight hundred yards, but the, oh no. the number's Low gonna bowls. the number's gonna be 400. four hundred.
2: bowls in a Ravens uniform is is the over under. Oh. H- H- Julio's back. The narrative we're starting it
3: Julio back. hashtag Julio back.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Oh, and with that, Tim, why don't you read us the random Raven clues one more time? Let's finish this off right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you have, have it... if you have some stats for this player too, that would just really cement things.
2: All right, let's 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 do that then. So uh, I'll, I'll start with those. Let's see. He had 234 receptions, a 52.6% catch rate for 3,116 yards, which ranks him fifth all time in Ravens history. 3,116 yards. That being, uh, let's see, that being clue number two. Despite a lackluster career, he is statistically a top five player at his position for the Ravens. Clue number one was this two-time all first team all-American spent 5 of his 7 seasons in Baltimore. Uh back to 3 now. Even though he was a first-round pick, he was the 5th player taken at his position. Now I looked at these guys, by the way, list isn't that great. So don't feel too bad Ravens fans. Uh including the player selected right before him, one Matt Jones out of Arkansas who went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, clue number 4. He is the exact same name of a much more famous player at his position. But the two are not related, weirdly enough. I thought they were. And clue number five, he wore the same number as the Ravens' current best receiving option. So you both have it. I, whoever wants to take it here can. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I feel like the listener has it, too. They're smart.
3: Antonio, you want to take a run at this one? <sighs>
1: it's Mark Clayton. It's, it's Mark. It is Mark Clayton. It's Mark Clayton.
3: Yeah, would you, the uh, the... <sighs> the two when you said he was top 5 in his position and then a two-time all-american i was that that's what i was like oh boy yeah I, bet. I was like i think i know what road this is going down
2: you want to know you want to know who's number 6 in receiving yards all time right behind mark clayton in ravens history is number it six.
3: like mark andrews now or?
2: no mark andrews is number 4 okay <laughs> yeah, well well past <laughs> uh, number 6 is one ray rice Is number Uh, six uh, in receiving yards in Ravens history. Your top five. uh, I'll go your top ten here real quickly. We've done this before on the show, but if you're a new listener, maybe don't remember. By the way, I'm just looking. Willie Sneed is 19th. Kamar Aiken is 18th in receiving yards in in Ravens history. Too high. Uh, (laughs) Future Ring of Honor. But too high. Uh, Derek Mason, Todd Heat, Torrey Smith, Mark Andrews, the aforementioned Mark Clayton, Ray Rice, Kadri Ismael, Travis Taylor, Two people that I expect will be on random Ravens very soon. Uh, Iaquan Bolden, number nine, and Michael <coughs> Jackson. No, not that one. Rounding out the top ten. It, it,
3: when, when I said earlier, I alluded to Mark Clayton being the best uh, Ravens wide receiver draft pick. Apologies to Torrey Smith. I, I was thinking, I was like, Torrey and probably even Marquise Brown was better than Mark Clayton, I would say, for his three years versus Clayton's, what, four or five? So, yeah, I mean, don't look at who the Packers drafted two picks after, uh, Mark Lane. <laughs>
2: no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> if you want to
3: still have a nice day,
2: <laughs> don't worry. We had Kyle Bowler. Yeah. Jace. We, we couldn't just need to get him Aaron we... Rodgers. We, just...
3: <laughs> we just need to get him weapons. Uh, Tim, I was, that was the problem with, the, uh, yeah. Kyle Bowler who couldn't complete 50% of his passes in college.
2: <laughs> okay. I'm sad. Antonio, please end this episode.
1: Yeah, that was a, a fun 20 minutes talking about Ravens playmakers, but we will be back. Uh, we haven't actually talked about it, so we'll do a little little, little post-recording post, uh, sessions to talk about exactly when we will be back, because training camp is upon us, and there will be things to talk about, so we might be back next week, might be back in a few weeks, depending on uh, just how much the rookies do uh, this week, but let's hope to see a lot of catches on the jugs machines, uh, a lot of players in the best shape of their lives. A lot of players with the playbook under their arm at all times and a football in their hand. And uh, Rashad Bateman, may you may you survive and prosper a full NFL season because, oh, are we going to need you? For Tim Horsey and Jay Evans, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you for listening to us, as always, here on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you when we see you.